Sticks and hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got sport the commentary to what if your commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, hits and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hoggy and nonsense. I'm Greg Wyshynski from ESPN, back from vacation where I didn't check Twitter. Uh, I'm Ryan Lambert from EPRinkside.com. I've been looking at Twitter all day, every day. Mm. It's cool to do it. Sean McAdoo from The Athletic. Twitter sucks. It's not. You're in puck soup and Twitter does suck and, and I've learned... Through the years, how to properly vacation in the off season. I don't look at Twitter. Uh, Ruby finally got me to reach the next level of vacation, which is to put the away message on my email, which is the first time I've ever done that. Um, I think I was always afraid that if you do that and you get the little email back saying blah 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 is on vac, we'll be out of the office until blah blah blah, that you just keep getting it every time you email somebody. But apparently, technology means that you don't. You just get it once, and then you never get to see it again until they come back. So, uh, shout out to away messages, uh, still running strong since AOL in the 1990s. That's right. And um, Blink 182 lyrics. (laughs) That's right. Uh, I read books. I went to Aruba. It was a good time. Um, and thanks to the boys and everybody for uh, hanging tight while I was away. Uh, but I've I'm now like I'm in that part of like vacation where I feel like I'm emerging from a coma. Uh, I did a radio hit with the Curtain Blog Boys yesterday, and like. Luckily, I think we talked about things that had happened that morning because otherwise I'm a little hazy yeah. on what's happened in the last couple of weeks. What what did I miss? We're going to the Olympics? That's fun. Well, they're they're going to say that right up until they say, "Ooh, COVID." I don't know. The yeah, so it's like Delta the Olympics, variant. but but they're out but there's an out still to say that we don't have to go to the Olympics. Correct. Yeah. They're not okay. they're not committed to everything. Well, because so part of it was that There was initially the report that the IIHF wouldn't cover um, COVID insurance costs. And the NHL Mm -hmm. was like, well, we're not fucking doing it because that's what the NHL does. Uh, And then they were like, the IIHF is going to pay for them, but only for uh, the qualifiers. So like the Slovenia-Austria game or whatever that nobody (laughs) cares about. And like the last I saw, I might be wrong about this, but the last I saw was there was no such agreement in place for the actual Olympics in February. So the, the qual like, so the, the determining who's going to be in the tournament, which is now done not, by the way. Right. Yeah. That was at the end of August. Yeah. Um, what do you think, Sean, you think we're going to go or do you think they're going to pull the cord on this? I'm a little more optimistic than I was a week or two ago, but I, I'm kind of with Ryan on this. I I still think Batman and the NHL clearly don't want to do this, and I think they will be looking for any reason not to go right up until people are on a plane in the air on the way there. The only thing that gives me pause about that, and I, and you know, again, like <clears throat> let's just be honest, I, I I'm fully expecting. Uh, the the tablecloth to be you know yanked off the table and, and yada 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 on this thing but 
it would cause such chaos in, in the schedule. And like as you do the podcast, single game tickets are going on sale today uh, for games. The promotional schedules are being put out there and all this shit. Like I get, I get the sense that I don't know. There's so many things that are wheels that are in motion that would tell me that we're going that I, I kind of feel we're going. But it's it's really hard to to look at this out that the NHL has and to expect them not to take it when it's an event they don't really want to do. But I also think they kind of want, I always thought they wanted to go to China. Right. So, right. Yeah. If it was a different, if it was a different venue, well, like say Korea, for example. Yeah. If it was yeah. Korea. Yeah. Where, where they didn't go to. Right. So like, I always kind of felt like they did want to go there and try to make inroads into that market. Um, so I don't know. I, I I'm with you. Like, I guess I guess this would be your classic cautiously optimistic situation uh, when it comes to the uh, Olympics. And the good news is Sh- the NHL has never burned us on being optimistic about them doing something that we would all like them to do. That's correct. I mean, it's not like they've ever canceled a season or uh, or anything of that nature. Sean, have you guys been running uh, your Olympic team shit yet on the Athletic? I think we ran a few. Yeah, the, the and and we'll be updating pretty constantly. But yeah, there were uh, a, a couple of the guys I think picked teams for for each of the big six at least. I'm always fascinated by the veteran rookie dynamic. Well, not rookie, but younger player dynamic on these Olympic teams. Like especially when it comes to Canada, I think it probably goes back to the Mike Green situation. Or and also I think PK at one point, although he did get on, I think at one, uh, later on on another team. But like the, the the notion of of uh, you're not ready yet, or we're going to give this spot to a veteran guy, it's that dynamic of the Olympic team process is always really fascinating to me. Yeah, and it's you know they it's 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 big tournament, it's big pressure. Coaches tend to turn to the older guys who've quote unquote been there uh, and who they've had dreams about. Uh, <laughs> uh, the fucking greatest thing that ever happened in the history of, of uh, hockey journalism was uh, Burnside getting. I think it was Brian Burke, right? To admit it, it was uh, Brian. It was. It wasn't even a hit game to admit. Remember, it was. It was Burnside and uh, and Kevin Allen. They were kind of like flies on the wall, right, for the process. And I think it was just Burke said it during the uh, the the meetings. Unreal. I had a dream that Keith Yandel blew it or whatever the fuck. <laughs> So we got to bring, like, the 19th best American defenseman instead, because like Jack Johnson, whoever. Oh, that rocks. I love hockey. Let me give you this 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 team that – this is what CJ put together in one of his last acts at Sportsnet. And shout out to CJ for his new, uh, new venture with the uh, Toronto Star. Uh, CJ being Chris Johnston, our friend of the podcast. Uh, team Canada. McKinnon, McDavid, Marner. Marchand, Crosby, Bergeron, classic line. Yeah. Uh, Huberto, Point, Stone, Tavares, Couturier, Stamkos, Shifley, and Barzell are your extras. Uh, O'Reilly, Hall, Horvat, Sagan, Couture, Giroux all uh, left off the team. Uh, Defensemen Theodore and Pietrangelo, Shabbat, Makar, Riley, Hamilton, Aaron Ekblad, and Bowen Byram are your extras. And uh, he says that Drew Doughty... Would not be on the team much to the, the to, to make uh, Ryan Lambert's heart sing. Uh, Price Bennington and Mackenzie Blackwood would be your three Oof. goaltenders. Oof, that sucks. Uh, put uh, put Price in, put Price in a hermetically sealed bubble to make sure nothing happens to him. Uh, 
You're, you're telling me this team's going to beat the Americans? I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. I mean... I mean, it's really good, it's, as per yeah, usual. Yeah, of course it is. But yeah, I mean, you know. I don't know. I Like, Mark Shifley on a Canadian Olympic team, that was the one, like, a lot of lists either had him, you know, as first cut or last on the list. And it's like, is Mark Shifley really, like, one of the, whatever... 18 best Canadian forwards. That seems high to me, but it's I, I I to me like to go back to the initial impetus of this conversation. Like I'd be fucking shocked if Ryan O'Reilly was left off Team Canada. Mm-hmm. Like just completely shocked if he was left off a team. Yeah, Canada. I mean, like there there. This is not a conversation to have and. September, I guess, but like right. the, the the edge cases, like the guys like who might be on the bubble, I guess you would say, seem to be to me more like the older guys, like a Stamkos and a I don't know, like John Tavares, maybe you would even say, um, and like Shifley, uh, Sean Couturier, maybe, um, mm. like those are the guys where it's like, yeah, I think I'd want them over. Those other two, but I'd also want like younger guys. Like I, I think like a, I don't know. Maybe he's not that young, but like Bo Horvat has a legitimate mm-hmm. case, and like maybe yeah. even Nick Suzuki, you know, o- over over like Steven Stamkos, who you know, he's good, but yeah. well, the Stamkos thing is that he hasn't appeared on one yet, right? Like that's oh, sort he of like hasn't a, at, really never. I, I believe that's isn't that the case where he's just been injured for all of them. He that had, uh, that does sound like Steven the injury last time that broke his leg. I think he was left left off of one, and then maybe he was injured for another. Let me let me dial up the He's I'm never played reference. in the Olympics. He's played for Team Canada at the last World Cup. Sure, right, yeah. So this, I think that's one of those. Let's do let's do Stevie a solid kind of things. Sure, maybe it could be. I but mean, plus, isn't 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 Cooper the coach? Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe that's what they're thinking is that Cooper would. Bring well, his- I'm, I don't think the Tampa Bay Lightning would ever run into problems with a star player being left off of Team Canada. That doesn't. Seem- <laughs> <laughs> seem not at all. No, 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 not at all. Steven Stamkos, future Ranger. Um, Mark Shifley, so by they- the way, point a game or better the last five straight seasons. So he's he's really good. Uh, I, I'm and, not saying and, he's and, not and really may or good. May not but, make the team, but I'll, yeah. I, I will say. When he's not losing his mind and ruining his team's playoff run. Well, he also doesn't really play defense, I think, is the other nope. thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know. I'm, I'm, yeah. That well, matters. He doesn't people. play defense. Yeah. I did. Normally, you would say he doesn't come back into his own zone, but we learned that he does do that. Sometimes he gets really yeah. excited about it. Sometimes yeah. he yeah. gets very excited about backjacking. Now, they do, know that, they do know that Kyle Connor will be on Team USA, right? And they're still going to put Shifley on Team Canada? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I always enjoy this where it's like, oh, if Shifley's on Team Canada. Maybe they're not as strong. Meanwhile, Brian Rust is like inked into the third line on Team USA. <laughs> yeah, how dare We're you? Uh, team. Uh, well, again, we, the we, the real thing, as always, comes down to goaltending, and it's like, yeah, we yeah. have uh, Mackenzie Blackwood. He's going to be starting for Team Canada, and it's like, I mean, I guess it really tests the theory of I'm, if you're if the, everybody in front of the goalie is good enough. Uh, I'm really surprised that CJ's list didn't have Flurry on it. That's that's the one that seems like a. Yeah, uh, he I, might I, retire by then. You know, he yeah, could. Let's, let's, but I mean, could. when the reigning Vezina winner is is, you, you would think he would have. Well, a, a okay. I mean, door, but 
again, like the it, it, the, the Chicago team is going to really put that ve- was the Vesna thing a systems thing or a yep. Mark Andre Fleury thing? I, sure. I think in C- in CJ's defense, like Canada's been infamous for for trying to always have a younger goalie as like the third guy to kind mm-hmm. of bring him along. Um, but I think what you're saying is that if you have if Price but, is your but guy, but if that's the think, case, then I don't I don't see you taking Binnington over Flurry. Although, again, you know, Flurry's age, three months into the season, he could be having a lousy year. But yeah. it's, it's just no, if we're true. picking the teams right now. But yeah, that we we can go back and forth on Canada versus USA and all that stuff. Connor Hellebuck might be the guy who just decides that well, we don't need to have that debate. And, let me give you a friend of the podcast, uh, Sean Leahy's uh, Team USA roster. This is on uh, NBC Sports. Uh, Kyle Connor, Austin Matthews, Patrick Kane, uh, Matthew Kachuk, Eichel, Debrinket, Goudreau, TJ. Uh, I'm sorry, JT Miller, TJ Miller, TJ Miller, and Team USA would be a, a, a real, a real boon for us. I don't a real, real locker room cut up. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jake Gensel, uh, Max Patchy, Reddy, Joe Pavelski, Brock Besser, TJ Oshie, Jack Hughes. Um, this would be leaving off Dylan Larkin, Blake Wheeler, Chris Kreider, Brady Kachuk, and JVR. I, I, I think that Brady could, I think, I think both Kachuks make Team USA. I don't think there's a yeah, chance probably. that they don't. Um, defense, Slavin, McAvoy, Hughes, Fox, uh, Quinn Hughes, I should say. Uh, Zach Wierenski, Seth Jones, uh, John Carlson, Ryan McDonough. And then your goalies are Hallebuck, Gibson, and Thatcher Demko, although, uh, uh, Leahy says that perhaps Spencer Knight could be in the mix. Yeah, okay. Sure. So we're, put, we're putting a lot of faith here in a, in a healthy Jack Eichel, I think, on Team USA. Yeah. That's what we're doing. <laughs> Which, well, uh, hell, let's yeah, get into knows? Jack Eichel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, let's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I, I kind of hoped that he would have been traded in the time that I was away. Uh, but I, I guess the latest is that they're just re-engaging with teams to see where the talks are. Uh, and, oh, and of course he, he shit-canned his agents um, and went to Pat Brisson. So that's probably a good development for the the, pro- the wheels turning on this a little bit. Uh, are you surprised he hasn't been traded yet? No, because like if they weren't going to trade him in July, what you know? What pressure is there to do it in? August or early September. Mm. The pressure mounts when training camp starts. Right. Right. So, like, if they didn't do it around the draft or or maybe the start of free agency, I didn't think it was going to get done over the summer. I thought it was going to get done fall times. And then it comes down Mm. to the two things, which is they still haven't resolved the injury situation and the treatment situation. And related to that... If if that if his health hanging over this is dragging his market value down so much that the Sabers can't get a decent offer, then at some point Kevin Adams might have to go to them and say, "Guys, I I need this guy back in the lineup. I need him to show mm-hmm. that he can, you know, come out play play for a month, be awesome, dominate, and and." Let's bump the so that some team out there will bump up their offer to the point that I can make a deal that's not going to get me instantly fired, uh, and and then we all win. And then it's a question of does does Jack Eichel grudgingly go back, or does he say screw you? I played my last game with the Sabers, and then 
we kind of get to a whole new layer of mess. <clears throat> and what's interesting about it is that normally when you get a situation where a guy wants out, it's usually, there's usually pressure on the team to make it happen because why would you let uh, an asset just die on the vine? You need to get the players that you get for the asset and improve your team. There's no pressure on the Sabres no. to be a better team. Like, like they could be. It, and, it behooves and them no, to not have Jack go play this year. There's no pressure that you know he's not a year removed from free agency or something like that. Right. He's yeah. He's, he's under team control for a long time. Yeah. So, like they don't want the return for Eichel right now. They just want to be as bad as they possibly can this season and get themselves a nice shiny new Jack Eichel named Shane Wright or some shit. So that process continues to play out. Um Ryan, if you were a betting man, where does Jack Eichel go? Well, uh, based on what Patrice Bergeron was saying the other day, the, the the pressure is on the Boston Bruins to figure something out so that Charlie Coyle isn't their number one center next year. Mm, that's a very good point. Sean, if you were a betting man, where would Jack Eichel end up? Yeah, I mean, Boston's not a bad one. I, I do think there's going to be hesitancy to, to move him within the division um i you know i'm like a lot of people i always thought la made a ton of sense it it seems like the the messaging out of la has always been that they're maybe less interested than we all assume but that might Mm. just be smart messaging and Mm. i've said before i i look at anaheim as a bit of a dark horse um they've Mm. got the assets just like la they've got Certainly, they they could use him in the lineup. Ryan Getzlaff, who knows if this is his last year. Uh, I think that makes a lot of sense. And for Buffalo, obviously, you get him as far away as possible. Um, I, I think that could make some sense. Uh, and then, obviously, you know, of course, the Rangers uh, check pretty much every box to the point where that one's almost so obvious that the fact that it hasn't happened already makes you wonder if, if there's a reason that it won't. Right. Well, I am a betting man, and that's why I use DraftKings. That's fine. Today's episode of Puck Soup was sponsored by DraftKings. Now is the time to celebrate. The first NFL Sunday of the season is about to kick off, and DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL, is putting you in the center of this weekend's action. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million, a $1 million top prize, with their first deposit by signing up using Puck Soup, all one word, P-U-C-K-S-O-U-P. Get on on the action now. It's simple. You pick your lineup. You stay under the salary cap and you see how your team stacks up against the competition. And you can feel the the NFL action like never before with a free shot and a million-dollar payday for playing uh, Daily Fantasy. Download the DraftKings app now. I got it on my phone. Use the code Puck Soup, all one word. And this week, new customers, only new customers, can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize and compete for millions in prizes across all contests. Enter code PUCKSOUP to get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with your first deposit. That's code PUCKSOUP. Only at DraftKings, the official daily fantasy partner of the NFL. You got to have a minimum $5 deposit and eligibility restrictions apply and see DraftKings.com for details. And uh, welcome back, NFL. So it was the best time to be a Jets fan uh, before the first game is played. You mentioned Bergeron. That was the thing that happened while I was gone. He said that this might be his last season or something. He said he's not thinking about next season yet, which is, I think, what you would expect him to say. But everybody then interpreted that as 
and he's retiring the second the Bruins season ends. They're never playing. Uh, <laughs> like he he's taking off his jersey and he's you know he's throwing his skates over the uh, yes he's he's over the high wire or the electrical wiring or whatever you want to say. He's leaving and, his boots in the middle of the ring, as it were, and that's walking right, away. Yep. Right. Yeah. Just like Cody Rhodes has done several times. Yeah, the Undertaker. Uh, yep, that's right. I hope he doesn't go. I love watching Patrice Bergeron, but uh, he's also been in the league for this is his 18th season in the NHL. Yeah. So I and, get and it. Man. He doesn't play. You know, there those aren't light seasons. Yeah, the, yeah. He's played a shitload of hockey. Since yeah, and across and the uh, tough hockey and injuries and all that sort of stuff. And uh, the other piece of this, obviously, this is the last year of his contract. So when he says, I'm not thinking about beyond, is he talking retirement? Is he talking about an extension? Is there any possibility that he would go anywhere else? Of course not. We can't picture that, except we said the same thing for Zidane Chara, so who knows. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, this guy's, what is it, 36 years old? You know that the clock is ticking, and uh, yeah, at some point that era is gonna gonna end, and and maybe it's this year, but maybe yeah, not. So uh, by just... the by the end of this season, he'll have cleared uh, twelve. If he plays the full eighty-two, obviously he'll be he'll be well clear of twelve hundred games played. Uh, and then there's another hundred and sixty in the playoffs, mm-hmm. and then after that, he's played a bunch of. Uh, Olympic tournaments and, and World Cups and all that sort of stuff. So it's it's a lot of hockey for Patrice Bergeron. He's probably all all in. He's probably looking at almost fifteen hundred career games at the highest level. Um, and yeah, again, I, this is a guy. Uh, he lost a full season to the to the lockout. He was he was on the o four o five Providence Bruins. Played a full season there. Um, he, you know, he played in like the Swiss league during one of the lockouts, I'm pretty sure. So like, even when he's not playing in the NHL, he's like getting 60 games here and there elsewhere. So, right. And and like you said, a whole, whole lot of playoff games too, uh, are, are on that uh, mileage meter. You know, um, I, I was doing some fantasy hockey stuff this week and, and I was looking at that line with, with him and Marshan and Pasternak and I'm like, Marshad's numbers the last like five or six years have been fucking insane. He's like, unbelievable. He's been so good. I, when when does that regression hit? Do you think he's how many more years of like peak productivity does Brad Marshad have? Do you think a couple? You know, like I, I don't know what his contract looks like, but can he get to the end of this contract? Uh, let's see here. Uh, oh, he's got four more years. Yeah, I don't see him doing this till he's thirty-seven. <laughs> Yeah. And he is a guy that, because he kind of developed into a, it made the leap to being a star later in his career than most Late guys bloomer, do. Yeah. He didn't yep. follow the yeah. typical aging curve. He's older than you think. Like if you're hey, just kind of vaguely aware of, you know, you're he's like, almost Bertrand's age. He's yeah. three years like he feels like he's a 28, 29 year old, yep. right? But he's 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 not. Uh, yeah. So. Um, yeah, I mean, the, the, if you're Boston, I, you've already lost Krejci this year. Tuka Rask, who knows if he'll ever play for you again. You know, I, I don't. I think the whole window closing cliche gets overused, but there, there's definitely a transition happening with this team. Yeah, and again, like 
if if he retires next year and and they don't go out and get like a number one center for next season, their number mm. one center on the depth chart right now is Charlie fucking Coyle. Like right. they don't have anybody in the system who could step into that role, you know, comfortably or whatever. And so yeah, like the idea that the window's closing, it, we don't even have to get into what their defense looks like or you know, is Linus Olmark really, you know, a tu- capable of being a Tuka Rask level goalie behind this team? You have to ask yourself, like, who the fuck is going to play center for this team next year? And again, how like, ma- this is a full year in advance we're worrying about this, but. How hilarious would it be if they traded for Jack Eichel and somehow Jake DeBrusque wasn't in the trade after being on the trade block for the last four years? <laughs> I mean, that would be like Buffalo going, yeah, we're not really all that interested, right? Like, that's. <laughs> that, it, w- it know, wouldn't be because the Bruins weren't trying to get Jake DeBrusque tossed in there. It would be because Buffalo right. was like, yeah, it's going to be a big pass for us. Thank you, though. We're like, two number ones, uh, Grizzlick, <laughs> DeBrusque. Uh, what was that? Uh, Jake, Jake DeBrusque. You know, you guys need a forward, right? Okay, go on. Yeah. Uh, Sean, you mentioned uh, Bergeron ending his career in Boston. And I had a conversation this week with somebody about, do you think Sidney Crosby will retire a Penguin? Yay or nay? Uh, yeah, I, I think he will. I think that's the by far the most likely outcome. Um, I also think history has taught us to never say never. But yeah, I, I Certainly, if I had to bet, I'd, I'd say the odds are significantly on the side that he retires as a Penguin. Even if the team is going down cycle? Like, I mean, this is uh, Gino's last season under contract. I think it's also Latang's last season yep. under contract. Yeah, so we could be looking at a real transitional phase for this franchise. And, I, and the thing I'm trying to balance is, on the one hand... The Mario factor. Like, it's clear that Mario has had a huge impact on Sid's life. Mario was a career penguin. Yep. I'm sure yeah, Sid on, sees on himself as really a bad teams when he yeah. finished his so, career. So, like, I feel like there's a certain lane that he's in to, to be the guy who's a career penguin. On the other hand, this guy's, like, the f- most ferocious competitor <laughs> we've seen in the NHL in, like, 20 years. And the idea that he's going to play out the string on Penguins teams that aren't at all in the championship picture is kind of hard to square. I mean, I think I've said this on the show before, like my perfect scenario for Sid is to go to Colorado and win a cup with McKinnon. I don't think he'd want to do that at his age to go to the Western Conference and start flying around all the fucking places. Like there's an advantage of being an older player in the East, but that's my ideal Sid scenario is you go to Colorado you win a cup with McKinnon, but I don't. I I tend to believe he's going to retire a Penguin. Yeah, as as a fan, I love that idea. Um, but I don't know. He's got four years left on his contract. It, who knows when the collapse is coming in Pittsburgh? You know, maybe it's soon. I I just I don't know. To me, yeah, he's he's an insane competitor, but he's got the three cups already. This isn't a case of so you have a Ray Bork. Joe saying Thornton. I I yeah. gotta go I gotta go chase my cup somewhere before I'm out of time. Um, who, who knows? You know, maybe at some point when he's still under contract, he goes to the Penguins and says, "If you want to move me and you know really jumpstart the the rebuild, 
uh, go ahead. But I, I, like I said, you know, you never say never. We can go down the pretty long list of players that we would have said at some point, yeah, that guy is definitely finishing his career there, and it doesn't mm-hmm. happen. Um, but I, far more likely than not in my mind that, that he wraps it up in Pittsburgh. And plus also, you know, look at what the NHL is these days. Like how bad are the Penguins going to be? Are they going to be a team that's, you know, not, has no chance at making the playoffs? Cause if you got, if you can get in the playoffs, you're contending for a cup. So, or at least in, you know, in his mindset, they may be. So I, I don't see it. Well, I think what you're trying to say is that they have thirty-two million. They have thirty-two point seven million dollars in open cap space after the season, with with Gino and and Latang coming off the cap. Yep. Um, how much of the I want to play either for the Penguins or with Sidney Crosby could be a a chip to get people to come to Pittsburgh? That gets you get- the Milan Lucic types. Ooh, I can't wait to play. Do you think yeah. so? Yeah, I mean. I think guys want to play where teams are going to be good um, and not – especially with Sidney Crosby being, whatever, 35 years old, 34, I don't know how old he is, whatever. Um, like the idea that you're going to be like, oh, I got to I gotta go play next to Sidney Crosby. He's going to make me look unbelievable. Like that was true four or five years ago. But like just – I don't know. The idea of like – Oh, I got, I got, I got to practice with Sidney Cross. I don't know, man. <laughs> yeah. One, one, one other thing, just to throw out there, when you you look at the Penguins and with their cap room, the president of this team is Brian Burke. Brian Burke said he was too old and impatient to do a rebuild with the Maple Leafs ten years ago. <laughs> so, right. If and and that team did not have Sidney Crosby on it. So, right. Brian Burke's looking at a roster with a bunch of holes in cap space and Sidney Crosby, and maybe not a good roster. Maybe a roster that most people would say you you got to start over. I I got a feeling he's not going to be looking for the long term. I think you're probably right, and and I think that even though he's uh, been extraordinarily su- successful, I think. Sid's probably still chasing a ring, too. Speaking of chasing a ring, today's episode of Puck Soup is sponsored by Manly Bands. Less good. Now, listen. The last one. They're both really good. I'm ready. I'm ready and rested to do ad transitions. Guys, for the better part of, of, of your lives, your better halves have been fantasizing about the perfect wedding ring. The cut, the clarity, the color, you name it. But for us, what are we doing? We're not looking at that stuff. It's been a tough process to go find the perfect wedding band for you. But luckily, Manly Bands is here to rescue you from this hellish band-buying experience. They offer your hand the freedom to look how you want it to look in just about every type of earthly material imaginable, even from space. You go to the Manly Ring Sizer for Manly Bands to ensure that your ring will fit perfectly during work and play. Once you know your size, here's the fun part. Manly Bands has an insane collection of materials to choose from. Gold, wood, antler, steel, Lambert, even dinosaur bone. If you were to get a Manly Band, would it matter what dinosaur it was to you? Or just that it was a dinosaur? Yeah, it would. But we don't have to get into. Okay, that's fine. I'm not. I, 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 no, I don't want to get into the details. <laughs> 
You could choose one of Manly Band's curated collections, like the Jack Daniels Whiskey Barrel Collection. For me, I went to the site, got the finger sized, went on the collections, and found the most hockey-appropriate ring I could find, the Instigator. It's made of tungsten, has an awesome rose, rose gold plating on the inside, black plating on the sides, really comfortable fit, and an awesome-looking ring. Once you've selected your band, Manly Bands offers free shipping worldwide, a 30-day exchange policy, and a free warranty. To order your Manly Band and get 21% off, plus a free silicone ring, Go to manlybands.com slash puck. That's M-A-N-L-Y-B-A-N-D-S dot com slash puck for 21% off Manly Bands. The best damn rings, period. They got some cool shit there. You should really check out the collection. It's fun to even browse. All right, let's get to the the story that really pissed me off that I wasn't here to write about it, uh, which was the uh, offer sheet to Jesperi Kakamiani from the uh, Carolina Hurricanes which you guys talked about, I think, in the mailbag, but didn't know how it would conclude. And spoiler, it concluded with the Montreal Canadiens not matching. Is that where you thought this was going to go? Yeah, we called it. We're actually really smart, so (laughs) we we, we got that one right. Now, why did you think they wouldn't match? Too much money for a player they uh, scratched in the Stanley Cup final. Mm -hmm. Yeah, That's it. And in fact... I think it was on our show, but maybe it was on on my other one. It's mm, why I don't apologize. like to hear about that. But <laughs> I think we called it pretty much exactly because we said the most likely scenario was Bergevin doesn't match and then flips flips the, first the picks. Round pick yeah. Again, very smart. So a better a player who's better right now to a rebuilding team, and and that's kind of what happened. It was a little the trade was a little more complicated, but right. Um, and, and honestly, I think that it, there there's sort of two questions here of did Bergevin play this right there's did he play it right going back to the moment that the offer sheet gets signed and he's got a six million dollar player to make a decision on and in that case I think he did I think he did the best that he could under that scenario and then you go back even further and say did he play it right the whole way along including the time where he had time to get this guy signed where he had time presumably to make a trade with Carolina before the offer sheet uh, that's where I think it gets a little more dicey. But yeah, once once the $6 million number was out there, this was probably the best option that he had. I, I wrote it while we were waiting, and it, it ended up happening more or less that way. And yeah, I, I think that works for Montreal, probably works for Arizona, and Carolina gets the player, and, and now we'll see if, if he's worth what they gave up. I really, really enjoyed going back and listening to Don Waddell and Tom Dundon talking about this process. Waddell was on with uh, Custance and Gentili on their podcast, and then Dundon was on uh, Sportsnet. I heard an interview that he did. And like, I think they're kind of being honest in the sense that they're like, we wanted to add another top six forward, and we wanted to add somebody who was young, and we couldn't find anybody via trade. And we knew that this was a player that was available through an offer sheet. Like, I kind of buy all that. I think that the downplaying of the revenge aspect of this has been pretty funny. And funny in the sense that if you listen to Dundon's interview on Sportsnet, I think it was on the writer's block. He just lets the mask slip a, fu- a bunch of times. <laughs> he's, like, he's like very much kind of, you know, doing the 
the kayfabe. Uh, we just wanted to sign a really good young player. We couldn't find him through trade, and then yada yada yada. And they're like, "Well, what about that twenty dollars signing bonus?" And he's like, "Well, you know, we're in the entertainment industry, <laughs> you know, and, and that's uh, reasonable, right? Like they yeah. they can want the player." And then at the same time, once they've decided that this is the player they're going after, to drop all the rest of the stuff onto it. I mean, you know, clearly they didn't they didn't sit down and go like, "We we'll give you a ten dollars signing bonus." And his agent went, "No, no, no, it's got to be twenty twenty." <laughs> they said, "Okay, so yeah." I mean, obvi- like that stuff was very obviously clouded in there. But I have seen, you know, I've seen Montreal fans saying. You know, oh, Bergevin out, outwitted them because Carolina didn't even want the guy. Carolina was just trying to, to jack up Montreal's cap situation and Bergevin 4D chess them right out. Yeah. And that's not the case. Uh, Carolina I don't, yeah. wanted the player. I th- I think that's, that's accurate. And shout out to the social media person who did the exact wording of the uh the yep. previous release yeah that was that was freaking epic i love fucking it. tremendous yeah, uh so cool you don't think that was cool no it's fucking epic meme shit fuck off who cares why is it epic meme shit it what happened to fun did we stop having fun uh, the guy's in a different band now right like the bleachers is that guy now right that do you took mean, me a second do you mean, but i got it do you mean jack antonoff oh yeah thanks greg well, he's a super producer. He produced Lord's album. Yeah, and everybody loved it, so it worked out great. No, people didn't like it as what? much. Oh, no. Yeah, no. It's like the social like media the- stuff, he said, turning the conversation back to hockey. Yeah. Oh, I, right. It's, you know what, this is, it's the classic NHL thing, right? A team or somebody does something kind of funny, and... It is kind of funny, but then we all have to pretend it's the funniest thing. And then they're like, oh, you like that shit? Well, here we go. And then they do it for the next eight months straight. And it's like, yeah, no, we we got it. You're you're being fun on social media. Yeah. Every every NHL social media account is like me having like an 11-year-old in the house where it's like, <laughs> it drops a joke and you're like, that was pretty good. And then you're like, oh, no, I've made a mistake because now oh, fuck. I'm getting that I, it's one. It's not. It's not just my 11-year-old? That oh, no. That? No, no, yeah. no. Uh, I think that we can still award points for creativity. I, I think there's a difference between this and, you know, the the 90th joke that the Blue Jackets make in a day. You know, I, I think this was really good. I disagree with your epic bacon take. Um, do you think that Cockney f- makes the Hurricanes all that much better? Yeah, I think, I think they're going to not put him in the middle, which will help him, and they'll put him, therefore, with a center who is good. Like, if he's on their third line uh, next to Vince Trocek or whatever, you're like, oh, yeah, there's going to be a guy who can, like, help him succeed without uh, all the pressure of, uh, if you don't shoot 20%, we're going to we're gonna bench your ass for four games. <laughs> <laughs> that, like, Montreal like Montreal kind of forced its its way into treating him like that, where it's like, well, he was fine his rookie season, and then the second he didn't do that, they were like, we gotta send your ass to, your ass to Laval. Like, that's, you're, you're out of here, buddy. And then, like, it just created this cycle where unless he just had a point every other game, or a, a goal every other game, they were like, no, no. You're not playing the right way, or whatever. Um, in Carolina, they don't have to have that pressure on him. 
So I think I think they can they can put him in a position to succeed. And again, like obviously, he won't be worth six point one million dollars unless he goes way off. Um, but if it ends up with them giving him like four years at four and a half or something like that, I think it all works out in the end. And obviously, like he's still only twenty one. Like that's the thing. He feels like he's been around forever, but he hasn't. So. Yeah, and I, it's I think it's really bad news for Nino Niederreiter, um, who previously would have been your your second line left wing to play with Trocheck and uh, Natchez, but like I think Cockneyemi is going to probably take that spot. And uh, well, they also we'll don't need happens. to be in the in the Nino Nieder like Nino Niederreiter is really good, but they don't need to be. He's a pending free agent, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So. They don't need to be in the Nino, the propping up Nino business too much, but also like nice to have the option, you know. Mm. A lot of people in New Jack City were in the propping up Nino business. Did they leave him exposed in the expansion draft? It's a good question. I don't know. I forget. I forget if they did or they didn't. I remember there being like discussion if they were going to do that, but I don't remember if they actually went around to it. Let's see here. But, yeah, get, just to you out. Um. I like it for them. I, I think this is a player that was really mishandled by Montreal. Um, yeah, they I think left the him most exposed. Inter- yep. Yeah. I think the most interesting thing about him is, like, this notion of he's got this leverage now with this, with the salary um, and, and what the qualifying offer needs to be uh, after this one-year deal. But there seems to be this theory of, like, well, they could get him for less against the cap if they extend them, extend them for multiple years. But have you have you seen that? Do you buy that? I, I yeah, it's I hard think for so. me to believe that the it's hard for me to believe that the player is going to give up the the absolute, you know, complete leverage that he has in this situation to then take some like a, a huge haircut on the cap hit. I, I don't think it's going to be huge. Yeah, like I, I said, I don't buy this idea that they've got a under the table deal where he's going to be making 2 million again. Mm. But yeah, I mean, it's if if it comes down to I have the leverage to get one year at six, but I'm being offered three at four point something or five point something. Yeah, the, I I think it would make a lot of sense for yeah, him potentially it, to sign a deal like that. It depends on if he um, if he uh, also like plays well this year, you know, because. Uh, Carolina, if he doesn't play well, Carolina could just go, well, we fucking tried. We're not going to qualify him. See ya. And then and then he's back on the market and looking for uh, a, a good deal that no team would give him because now he's failed with two teams consecutively. Mm. Or, you know, that would mm. be the perception. So mm. it, do, it um, really depends on if he can actually play well for the full 82. Yeah. Where are we on Christian Dvorak? I've never really been high on him, to be honest with he's you. He's fine. He's a, he's a number two center. Um, is he? Is he though? Yeah. Well, look, like you know, uh, two years ago he played really well because he got to play with Taylor Hall, um, and then last year he didn't play well because he played with Lawson Krause and Phil Kessel. So, uh, you know, do do we want to say he's somewhere in the middle of there and maybe trending more toward? Uh, Taylor Hall because like Lawson Krauss sucks, uh, like he's a replacement level player. Uh, yeah, I I think that's the case where like you know if if you, look like Montreal has has the wingers to put next to him. Like if he if he yes. plays with Gallagher, 
Well, yeah. There you go. Like Gallagher's a really good player. So, you know, I, again, like I was, I was just on the radio in Montreal and they got mad at me for suggesting uh, the Canadians weren't, maybe weren't a playoff team, which is. Oh my God. Yeah. Really? Yep. They were, they were mad about that. Yeah. Are we still, are we still living in the fantasy land where they. Greg, Only let me stop you right there. Yes, we are. Um, <laughs> I swear to God, man. Like, Dude, it's, it's, I, look. It doesn't detract anything from what they did in the playoffs to say that they wouldn't have been a playoff team were it not for last season's realignment. It's fucking fantasy land not to say otherwise. Yeah, and also, again, like now I'm just relitigating what I, what I said on the radio like three days well, consider ago. Well, consider it practice. Go ahead and give it, give it to us here. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know – they're in a they're in a division where the four best teams are Tampa, Boston, Florida, and Toronto. Like how uh, how do you figure Montreal is in the top three of those teams? Uh, after again, like having gotten worse this summer, like they made the best of a bad situation with all the players they let go, and most of the players they let go, I would have let go as well. But also, like you know, okay, we're replacing Shea Weber, who's out indefinitely, maybe forever. With David Savard, right? Okay, and so we're we're, yeah, repla- I, we're replacing Phil Deneau with Christian Dvorak. Okay, I mean th- those are guys who are not bad NHL players, but they're also not as good as the guys they're replacing. They're one hundred percent not as good as Tampa, Toronto, or Florida. Even if you say Boston falls off, Boston's probably still better than them. Yep, and, and so then then you're looking at one wild card spot. Yeah, and and then you so got then and then you look at the Metro. Than, the Islanders, Penguins, Capitals, Flyers, Rangers, and Hurricanes. Are they better than two of those teams? Who are your top three in the Metro right now? Islanders, one. Uh, Hurricanes, three-ish. Two, three. And then, like, one of Pittsburgh or Philly or the Rangers. Like, I think, you know, I think it's very credible that I don't – I'm not a big – Flyers guy this year. I don't think they're all that good. Um, the, well, it, let me let me rephrase that. They have no safety net if uh, if Carter Hart isn't back See, to normal. I, I'm I'm a I'm a Carter Hart bounce back guy. I, so I think, I that think they're going to be in the playoffs. I think it's fairly likely, but also like if it doesn't happen, I won't be surprised. And then their one B is Martin Jones, and it's like, well, have a good off season, I guess. Well, I remember I remember you talking during the summer. That you think the Capitals are going to f- really fall off this year? I, you know, I, I think that they're all pretty old. <laughs> you know, like that's mainly the issue. And much like the Penguins, it definitely is a case of like, oh, well, I've been saying that for like two or three years. And so at some point, you just got to go. Well, you know, show me, uh, show me when it happens. You know, like mm-hmm. because, like I'll, I guess I, what I'm saying is I'll believe it when I see it. Um, yeah. But also, like, I think it's more likely than not that one of those two teams is just, like, dead in a ditch by the end of the season. <laughs> <laughs> Who's your top three in the Metro, Sean? Islanders. Hurricanes. Everybody loves, loving the Islanders, huh? Well, I did. I mean, by part default? of it is I'm just – I'm so sick of being wrong about them every time. And then yesterday on the other show, I, I we randomly started talking about the Metro and I started rhyming off playoff <laughs> teams and – I forgot the Islanders existed, uh-oh, so I'm uh-oh. trying to make amends. So yeah, let's see. So you're you're overcompensating by just saying the Islanders. One hundred percent, absolutely. Team. Okay, gotcha. Uh, and then, jeez. I on, honestly, before Philly, you go, 
hold on before you go on i think the islanders are a playoff team and i i 100 think it, it'll have to do with being in the new arena too like new yeah. arenas always give people a shot in the arm that's my yeah. theory. That's, you know what I think is is more the fact that like they consistently do the thing that they do well um, and get to the conference. Like I don't. I think the new arena has less to do with it than uh, the last two three years of success they've had. It's the new arena, and also they've now officially signed Zach Parise. Those two factors combined tell me they're a playoff team. Well, I mean, again, like Lou Lamarill playing forty chess. Uh, he he signed a guy on July one. Well, you know whatever the equivalent of July one this year was, uh, and then was like, oh, I, did I sign him? Who who knows? And everybody's like, I, Lou, you've done it again, my friend. I so Bravo. fucking love that. I love that about the Islanders. I love the Islanders with the last team whose expansion draft list leaked. I love the fact that the the NHL is now primed for the minute one of the insiders says trade call pending blah, 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 blah. like the press release comes out like five minutes after that and lou literally is announcing signings that have already been broken three weeks yeah, <laughs> yeah. no it's yeah. fucking it's months later for no reason you're right like no competitive <laughs> there is no other team well no like, it's so that nobody can figure out what he's got going yeah. on and what his cap situation is yeah, and it's right. like yeah some yeah, other team yeah, out yeah. there is like getting ready to trade for jack eichel but they're like wait we need to know if zach parise is on the That's island let me tell you i'll tell you it right now i i get texts from the islanders about when they announce these things september when was when was signing day signing day was what like uh, i have no idea july july 28th i think yeah okay I got a text on September 1st, Islanders transactions, colon, Anthony Bavillier, Casey Zizekas, Kyle Palmieri, yeah, and Elias Roken right. have all agreed to multi-year contracts. September 1st! Yeah, all, and like every team in the league was like, damn, I really want to sign Zach Parise to a PTO. And, they, and he's like, well, just you wait and see, fellas, because actually we got to li- it, It's It's total wrestling bullshit where it's like, uh, did we did we sign Brian Danielson? Well, you'll just have <laughs> to know. tune in to find out. And it's like, yeah, of course they did. <laughs> I don't know. CM Punk's in the ring talking about the yes chant and has like BD written on his sneakers. But I don't know. Let's could see. Be, it could be anybody. Could be anybody. Uh, all right. A couple more things. Uh, oh, for, for last thing on on the uh, the uh, offer sheet business. Um. This is now two offer sheets, what, in the last two, three years, was it? When was the Ajo one? I even forget. Like, was it uh, two, two years ago, yeah. Um, is, are we seeing more? Are we going to see more or no? Is this, we always get so excited when these things happen and they never happen again. Are we going to see yeah. more? It, there's sort of two sides of that. The, the one side says Montreal tried to get a star two years ago and all they got was revenge two years later. So don't sign offer sheets. The flip side is we just saw one that actually worked for the first time in forever. So uh, I I think we see them maybe more frequently, but maybe not for the superstars. Like maybe teams are realizing that if you go after a team's best player, they're going to match mm-hmm. always. But if you go after a guy who's a little further down the depth chart and it's too much money, you've got a chance to get him. Now, well, the downside is you get him for too much money, but you've got a chance to get him. I've heard this theory – and if you look back at the history of offer sheets, I think that's always, for the most part, been the case. Like when when Ryan O'Reilly signed his offer sheet, well, one, he did it because of a contract dispute. But he, I don't think he was like their top, top, tippy-top player, Colorado. And then when Kessler 
signed his offer sheet, he he was also a guy that was sort of a second line guy on the rise, yeah, or maybe even third line guy on the rise. I always I I think there's always been a thing of teams targeting those mid tier players. I don't I'm not necessarily buying the idea that it's it's well it's, it's new. Well, it's because you don't want to give up five draft five uh, first round picks, right? Right. That's why. Like precisely. It and the good news is that because of uh, all the financial stuff that's gone on in the NHL the last few years, um. You know, you can get guys for, like, a first, a second, and a third without, like, guys who make a difference for a first, a second, and a third, and it didn't used to be that way. Right. You know? And I think also the flat cap um, makes it so that some teams are going to be, like, you know what? Targeted. Yeah, they're they're up against the cap. This guy is pretty good. He's not great. We can – I think this is – what I think is this, is the Carolina model of we're going to overpay this guy for one year so that they can't match. Or mm-hmm. if they do, they're totally fucked and, and have to, like, do a cap dump where they're going to get worse, you know, um, mm-hmm. versus, like, we'll just give this guy six years at $8.5 million or whatever the one right below five – first round picks is right you know right well i guess the other thing about the the aho one was they were also assuming that dundon wouldn't match uh, right like, like yeah he had because, some financial oh, issues poor, which or is always being cheap yeah anytime you can publicly tell a billionaire that they don't have as much money <laughs> that always goes <laughs> they love it it's Can't it's a fetish yeah it's great this guy I started see- a, a a a professional football league just because he wanted to like Right, yeah. he's he's got the extra twenty million dollars or whatever in the couch cushions. I, I gotta say though, I am very interested to see. Like Dundon is is such a weird guy as far as NHL owners go. I don't know how hands on he is typically with his team. It wouldn't shock me to find out that he's completely hands off. It wouldn't shock me to find out he's extremely hands on. Uh, I'm really interested to see how this goes. If Kakanemi is starts slow or isn't getting ice time or is even getting scratched or something like that because this is you know th- there has not been i can't think of many transactions that have had an owner's fingerprints on it as firmly as this one certainly not for a guy a middle of the lineup guy let me give uh, you some in- so. in- informed speculation mm-hmm. i think he's hands-on but still not as hands-on as you might assume he is if that makes sense right so what happens when Thirty games into the season, Kakinami's not all that productive. Brindamore's getting a little tired of him. The ice time's dropping, and people start writing stuff about Dundon's folly and the Carolina's owner mm. got them into a bad contract, and now it's a yeah, blah blah blah. Does he just kind of shrug that off, or does he pick up the phone and call Rod Brindamore and say, "We got to get this kid going and move him up the line"? I think he shrugs it off. Okay. It's a, it's a, it's, I mean, that's why it's a one, like, it's a one year deal, right? Like, they could, in, in theory. Yeah, but if they know. walk away, then that's, that's a pretty then it looks embarrassing bad, yeah. result, right? That's for sure. For sure. Uh, a couple more things here. Pierre Dorian gets an extension. Would like to have been a fly on Pierre Maguire's mall, wall when he heard that news. And uh, apparently the Senators' rebuild is over. That's what, what he I said. Gather. Oh, all right. That's like great. Uh, I'll pull up the quote here because it's uh, it's a wild uh, quote because he you know he says the rebuild is done and then um, 
Uh, th- and that's just like kind of uh, in the post draft or the post signing presser, I believe. And then he goes on the radio and says this. The next step is for us to not take anything for granted. Last year, we felt we were a team that was hard to play against. Well, uh, But now it's time to challenge to get two points every night and be in every game. Games that maybe you got a point last year, you need two this year. A lot of people say that, quote, when you look on paper, but the game's not played on paper. A great uh, thing that you're always saying. Um, any team can beat any <laughs> other team any night in the NHL for most nights. So us, so for us, the goal is to surprise people. Compete every night like we did last year. Again, didn't really do that. Um, a lot of younger players have reached a maturity stage in their career where they should be leading us and not be considered young players anymore. As a group, it's time to start winning. I've been mildly obsessed with Pierre Dorian for a really long time. He's one of the he interviews rocks. I've chased. For, I've chased that interview for a while. He's, I've not gotten him. I don't think he's, in some cases, wanted to do it. But I, I find him to be so fucking fascinating because there is that kind of like, <laughs> you know, kind of like selling the monorail aspect to his personality 100%. that I've always really admired. Um, the and, and sometimes it's it comes off as desperate, like the we're a team thing. Um, but other times it's just fucking fantastic. Like when he made the Alex Burroughs trade. The Alex Burroughs trade is the classic. Right. And he had, and he was like talking about people coming up to him and hugging him in the we're hallway. Hear, we're saying, hearing more and more. We're looking into it very strongly. That, <laughs> thank you, sir. Yeah. They say, sir, thank you so much for Alex Burroughs, sir. There are tears in his eyes. <laughs> These fantastic. big, strong hockey men. <laughs> and they're crying. They're saying, sir, we never thought we would get Alex Burroughs, but you gave us Alex Burroughs. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking so cool. He's 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 got that aspect to him, and it makes me really root for him to do well. Also, because I, the other fascinating part about Dorian is that he's not bad at his job necessarily. Like, how many trade deadlines? Granted, like it, it's the reality of his surroundings that he's been given. He's had to move these assets, but like, how many trade deadlines do we look at what he's done? We're like, wow, Hollywood did pretty fucking good in selling off these pieces. Well, the, um, the other thing is. You know, like, they've got a lot of good players. They have a a highly regarded uh, farm system. But, like, also a lot of their picks individually, you're like, well, maybe a bit of a reach on this guy and that guy and this other guy. And it's like, yeah, collect – like, basically they didn't maximize their draft capital and they just have – they've just because of, again, the nature of uh, what their deal is. They just had a ton of picks. They get the picks and prospects, but they don't really execute it very well. So yeah, that, that's... Well, that's, I mean, they... Yeah, and they've developed okay. Um, right. I I think a, a, a full-scale tear-it-down, strip-it-to-the-tires rebuild is, in one sense, the easiest thing for a GM to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think Pierre Dorian's done a good job of that relatively easy job, and... and Given that, you know, it's it's Ottawa and you have to be able to manage up, and he seems to be able to handle that reasonably well. Yeah, I, I mean, mm-hmm. you, you give him an extension and you see how he does it at guiding it to the next step. I'm not as sold on Ottawa in terms of the future as as a lot of people seem to be. I, I feel like a lot of these projections of them being a contender in a few years rely on like a dozen different every young ship players comes in all. Every yeah, single a one, dozen yeah. all hit all hit the ceiling, and that never happens. Um, 
but uh, you know, he's he's earned the right to to take a shot at it. I, I'm, the the interesting part of the story to me is the whole the rebuild is over quote because that's the sort of thing that halfway into next season you could see getting retconned pretty hard. Well, it's already uh, being retconned because it's like that. What that means, I. I when I wrote, like, oh, the rebuild's over? That's, okay, all right. Uh, was, uh, like, this uh, this uh, this widespread thing that was uh, communicated to me specifically by this, like, uh, Senator's podcast that was like, oh, what he means is they're done stripping it down every year. And it's like, well, I mean, that's only true because you have nobody left to trade, right? <laughs> that's... Yeah. Do you and, think he's and, saying and that so, also because he's in the midst of a contract negotiation with Brady Kachuk? Well, the, like he's got to kind of be, put it, put that messaging out that, there. And uh, in addition to that, it's like, well, you just got like a four year contract extension. So like they're not paying you to keep tearing the team down at that point. Yeah. Right. You don't get a you don't get a second five year plan. Correct. <laughs> Unless right, you're Jim yeah. Benning. Um, yes. <laughs> but. So, so like from from like that's technically correct, but that second quote I read, where he's like, "It's now is the time to start winning." It's like, have you seen this fucking team? I mean, on paper, you're ta- you're already talking about on papers not where the games are played and stuff like that. And I, I think the thing that really makes this a tough sell for me, apart from again, like just look at their fucking roster, is. This was supposed to be the year, the first of the five years of unparalleled success where they almost spent to the cap. Was 2021 to 2025. I looked at the fucking quotes from 2018 or 2019 or whatever it was. And it's like, yeah, we're going to start spending to the cap in, in 2021. And right now, before Brady Kachuk is signed, but even if they give Kachuk like $8 million dollars, they're they're on they're going to spend less on their roster this season than they did last year. Mm. And that's with two guys who were bought out and just still on the books. Right. Speaking of Kachuk, so he's still talking. Uh both uh, Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson are still talking. And I, and then obviously Kirill Kaprizov is still without uh, a, a deal in Minnesota. I, again, I, I've I've been away. I haven't really been monitoring this on a day to day basis. Where 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 does all this stuff stand at this? Yeah, point? and and Great Rasmus Dahlin too, which yeah. I, you don't hear very much about, which is kind of weird. I mean, obviously there's bigger issues in Buffalo, but there can't be that many that are that much bigger than getting your number one overall guy signed. So where is everything? Which who's going to sign first? I think I think it goes. Hughes and Kachuk like right around the same time and then uh, I think it was Elliot said yesterday that uh, Patterson is going to be heavily dependent on where, what Kaprizov does mm, okay so right. and then Darlene I mean once you get Hughes signed that probably tips over that domino so mm. yeah I mean Hughes stands out as the one guy where you can't even pretend to use the offer sheet fake leverage play so right that one probably gets done sooner okay all right I mean, uh, you gotta you gotta sign if you're in vancouver you gotta sign quick before benning gives like five million to another fourth liner and then <laughs> there goes right. your cap space um david backus retires i feel like that's a player whose latter years really tainted what was a pretty solid career as a as a two-way center 
Yeah, middle um, six guy. Yeah. And most not- you know. Go ahead. He got he got the classic thing that a lot of guys do of like, well, I turned twenty nine. I've been like a a fifty point guy for a little while now, and some dumbass team was like, what if we get, what if we started paying you like you were a seventy point guy, <laughs> right? You know, like, and that's that's exactly what happened. And then everybody's like, fuck David Backus. David Backus sucks. And it's like, well, you know, much like Ryan Kessler, by the way, his body just broke down. And what could you have seen that coming, given his style and and all that kind of stuff? He probably should have, you know. But yeah, did he? Did, was that a was that a, a, a Don Sweeney signing? Mm-hmm. Man, yeah, there was a little while there where Don Sweeney was like, "I'm just gonna make a lot, like I'm just gonna get every David Backus type for like a million dollars in two years more than I should have." Wow, because wow. I was he mm, was Matt Bolesky a David Backus or a, a Don was Sweeney it, signing? I think he might have been too, potentially. So the two things I'll always remember about Backus are both tied to the Olympics. Yeah. Um, him collecting Canadian scalps and yep. fights leading up to the Olympics, uh, which was was that that had to be Sochi, right? Mm, yeah, that sounds. I don't right. think he. I don't think he was in Vancouver. Yeah, that sounds right. And then, and then when he got to Vancouver, when he got to Sochi, rescuing all them dogs from uh, from Sochi. Remember yep, that? I do. That was his big thing over there. Yeah, rescuing the dogs. So there you go. David Back has fared thee well in retirement. All right, I think that. Ends the 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 one hundred percent hockey portion of the show. Although I will tell you that there is a game show coming up that incorporates it. Real quick, Shang Chi. You like it? Yeah, it was as Marvel movies go. Like it was a little boilerplate, but like fun and uh, good performances. I thought. I thought really good performances. Um, and and again, like Marvel movies do this thing where they take the template and then just throw a bunch of other inspiration on it. Um, and in this case, the inspiration was like Stephen Chow movies and Jackie Chan movies and like, you know, Crouching Tiger. Yeah. And, uh, I'm here for that. Could have done like, without the dragon battle at the end. This is true. Incomprehensible. Like a little too CGI. A little too CGI. Yeah. Um, but the rest of it was really good. I thought they, I thought I, one of the more entertaining ones, um, it kind of reminds me of how I felt about Coco and Pixar, where you've seen the Pixar thing over and over and over and over again, and then you see Coco, and you're like, I, I like this, Coco but I think rocks. it's one of those, I think I think it's, that's a movie that's really grown, I've grown more fond fond of in, in hindsight, because I realized how good it was. At the time, I don't know if I really appreciated it as much, because it was just following in the tradition of what we had seen a lot of. And I feel like Shang-Chi is going to be the same thing, where I'm just going to look back on it and be like, wow, that was really, really well executed for something that's become a trope, you know, the origin story. Yeah, as, as with everything else, uh, I'm never going to watch it again, you know? But uh, I like I'd watch the bu- I'd watch the bus fight again. That was fucking Oh, awesome. you want to talk about CGI. The CGI on that was uh, <laughs> iffy, let's say. Sean, I wanted to ask you something, because I know Lambert likes to avoid trailers. Sean, where what what did the Matrix mean to you? Were you a Matrix guy? No, no. I've oh. I've told this story before. I saw the third one before I saw the first two, and I had no idea what was going on. And I only got around to seeing the first one like wow uh, a couple years ago. So. All right. 
Um, I uh, the trailer. Did you watch the trailer, Lambert, or no? You avoided. Of course not. Okay. I'm intrigued by it, and I'm intrigued by it in the sense that, like, the the best thing I can say about the trailer is that I watched it, and then immediately went to the Matrix Reddit <laughs> to see what people were pulling out of the trailer as far as references and and leaks and stuff. And I think I've talked about this in the podcast before. The most fun I, I've had in recent memory in the lead up to a movie was. Um, reading the trailer dissection of Prometheus and all of the speculation and leaks about Prometheus, it ended up creating a movie in my mind that was exponentially better than what Prometheus ended up being. And I know that we are Prometheus apologists on this podcast. I'm not. Apologist uh, isn't even the right. I, it's the third best alien movie by a mile. All right, well, maybe I'm an Alien 3 apologist then, but uh, the uh, – or maybe just a Fincher fanboy. Um, I, could, I could see the same thing happening with this Matrix movie before it comes out in December of me just like – I'm not going to say go down the rabbit hole because that's too on the nose. Um, <laughs> but really, but really kind of like figuring out what the plot is before the movie happens and then ultimately being disappointed by it, I'm sure, when it finally comes out. But uh, – Good trailer. I, got me uh, got me excited. I will say that so like I saw people talking about apparently um Morpheus is de-aged in it. Yeah, uh Yaya Mateen uh Abdul Mateen, the guy who played um uh he's, Black, he's uh, in Candyman. He's in Candyman and he played and he played uh, Black Manta in um in uh, Aquaman. Okay. Uh, he, he plays what appears to be a young, a young Morpheus. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, yeah. so the, the speculation is that this is because in the, uh, in the yes, Matrix MMO that. game, Morpheus <laughs> dies. And so they're treating, they're treating the Matrix MMO game as canon. And to which I say, that's the fucking coolest thing I've ever heard. That <laughs> they're like, this beloved yeah. character died in a video game you did not play. There will be no further explanation. I watched the clip of him dying. I had never seen it before. What what generation console graphics would you say bo- best resembles that? Like um, an N64? Uh, I, a PlayStation 1? I'm going to say probably 2 is when... PlayStation 2 um, is when the Matrix MMO came out. So they tried to rec- like the graphics are like everybody's just kind of rectangular. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Release date March two thousand five. Right. So if so, you squint hard enough, they kind of look like the characters, but all ultimately they just it, it's kind of like playing Minecraft now. <laughs> right. It's the best. Yeah. The so best so that's so that's the very end of the uh, the PlayStation two era because PlayStation three comes out oh six like end of oh yeah. six. So yeah. Right. And again, like I think that's really cool. I think that they're that the Wachowskis are just like, uh, yeah. If you didn't play the video game, you're not going to get this shit. Like that's fucking rock. That's canon. Um. All right. Uh, did and we did we talk about? Well, we I know you and I I think talked about Ryan CM Punk coming back. But we, did you guys talk about Daniel Bryan coming back or Brian Daniels? No, that before? that happened Sunday. We didn't do a show. Since oh, that's then. right. Sean, are you excited at all about the AEW return of all these beloved WWE wrestlers? I, I think it's neat, and I've seen a couple of the clips of guys coming back and, and getting big reactions, uh, which is always cool. I'm not going to start watching AEW or anything like that, but it's yeah, it's neat. I'm glad people are excited for it. That's good. I, I said the same thing. 
Yes. And then uh, I, a friend of mine was like, do you want to go to this movie theater in Western Massachusetts, like drive an hour and a half to watch All Out in a, uh, in a movie theater? And I was like, I 100% want to do that. And <laughs> I was really I'm bummed. I- all the way back in. I was I was uh, unable to go to a movie theater for that that night. I was I was thinking about doing it. There was one in in, uh, in Jersey that was doing it. But I, I went to the U.S. Open last night, one of my favorite events, and uh, my I have, I have tickets for the uh, AEW show at Arthur Ashe. Uh, one uh, of those stadium, which is for me, movie. possibly. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I don't know. I, I'll have to talk to my friend Chris to see if he has an extra or not. But if he does, then you'll hop in your car and come down. Oh, I didn't. If you had gone, yeah, I would fucking one hundred percent go to that. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I, the thing is, is I had tickets to their show at, at Prudential Center, but it's happening the Wednesday that I'm in Chicago for the NHL media tour. Oh. And so I had, to, I had to sell my tickets, and I put them on a, a, a ticket resale site, and I've sold two so far. I have four. I've sold two so far. Uh, so they're moving quickly. Unfortunately, the NHL media tour also meant I couldn't go to a Mets-Phillies uh, game. And I also put those tickets on the Rio sale site. And let me tell you, friends, <laughs> not, not a, not lot, a of lot of action. Yeah. Not a lot of interest from Mets tickets. Yeah, Even um, at one-third the price of what I paid for them. Yeah, I, I, I tried to get uh, – I found out recently that they're doing a Dynamite at uh, BU's Hockey Arena in Boston. And I was oh, like, wow. oh, can I go to that? And they were like, no, tickets sold out in like eight minutes. you got to be yeah, fucking kidding me. It's so. a pretty hot property right now, as as evidenced by somebody buying my uh, dynamite tickets at four eleven in the morning, uh, the night after the most recent dynamite. Yeah, we're going. I, like I said, I'm going full sicko mode on AEW now. Let's go. It's it's welcome. so good. It's in the so words of John McClane. Welcome to the party, pal. Yeah. All right. Ugh. Really- game show time. I've created a game show for both of you called "I Want My NHL." As you guys obviously know, the VMAs are this weekend. Very big event. I know you guys are excited uh, to watch 21 Pilots and Olivia Rodrigo this weekend. I've created a a, a this or that game show. We're going to give you two things and you tell me which one is the greater number. What's the higher number of the two? Okay. One thing is going to be the amount of VMA wins for a music act so this is like any vma not like video vanguard award like career achievement just like the actual like categories from the video music awards or a national hockey league stanley cup playoff statistic tell me what is the greater number of the two you follow sure yeah okay uh who won the last game show who goes first this is information I don't have and would yeah, never. no idea. Ooh. Wait, did you guys do a game show on the last bonus? Oh, actually, we did. Uh, Ryan I... won. Ryan won oh, the okay. uh, name Pat Falloon, So Okay. Ryan, uh, kick or receive? Uh, I will kick. Okay. Sean, Ryan has apparently identified you as someone who doesn't watch the VMAs. That makes two of us, buddy. I... <laughs> All right. Here we go. What is the larger number, Sean? Is it Green Day Video Music Award wins or Mike Green playoff goals? <laughs> uh, boy, those capital teams didn't play as many playoff games as they should have. 
but Green Day doesn't strike me as like a huge VMA band. I'll say Mike Green. The answer is Green Day VMA wins with 11. Mike Green playoff goals, 10. Okay. Very close. Yeah. Very close. You have to remember that uh, Green Day you know, had their share of, uh, of big videos. I was going to say, like, Dookie and American Idiot alone probably gets them to, to where they need to be, right? So of their, of their wins, let me see here. I, I had this open before, and then I closed it, and I'll go back to it now. Uh, we had Green Day... Uh, yeah, you had you had your um, good riddance time of your life. Oh yes, of course, and Nimrod Boulevard of Broken Dreams had six wins. Yeah, so nothing for the uh, what's the one uh, basket case? Because that was I remember that being a huge video circa nineteen. I think that was probably in there too. Yeah, American Idiot. Yeah. Okay, uh, moving on, uh, Ryan. What's the larger total, Katy Perry VMA wins or Corey Perry 2021 playoff goals? Corey Perry. The answer we were looking for was Katy Perry. Katy Perry has five VMA wins. Seems kind of low for, like, Katy Perry. I, I just I figured I figured uh, they just don't do that many videos. Like, And she hasn't been around long enough, you know? I think it's a fair point. Uh, Corey Perry had four... Playoff goals. Why the fuck did I think 58-year-old Corey Perry... Oh, it's stupid. <laughs> Sean? Yes? What's the larger total? Missy Elliott VMA wins or Brian Elliott playoff wins? <laughs> I'm just... Like, how many... How many NHL players could have the same name as... Uh, okay, um... Missy Elliott. Missy Elliott has six VMA wins. Brian Elliott has 17 playoff wins. Put some oh respect. My goodness. Put some respect on. Yeah, wasn't uh, he the goalie apparently. when... I'm sorry. Wasn't he the goalie in Ottawa when they went... Oh, we were a goal away from the Stanley Cup final. We were... were... No, that was Anderson. That, oh, that uh, was Anderson, wasn't it? Yeah. He did. He yeah. was in Ottawa for a while, but... Mm. I feel like Brian Elliott has 17 wins and, like, I never more than up. two in a season. Yeah. Let's see here, Brian Elliott. I, because now I gotta know. Now I'm, now I'm deeply interested. Um, <laughs> now you're invested. <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay, I knew he had one deep playoff run, and it was with St. Louis in fifteen sixteen. He 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 started eighteen games, went nine and nine. But yeah, there wow. you go. Okay. There you have it. Okay. 21 that year. Wow. Good for him. Um, okay. So this is Ryan now? That's me. We're, we're, de- we're deadlocked at 0-0. Zero, zero. Sounds about right. Ryan, uh, who? what's the larger total? Herbie Hancock VMA wins or Grant Clitsum playoff appearances? All right, Greg, settle down. <laughs> well, I'm uh, sorry. I just was wondering. Settle down, Greg. I just was wondering which was high with the larger number. Um, well, because we all know Herbie Hancock loves to lie, I will go with Grant Clitzum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the answer we were looking for was uh, Herbie Hancock VMA wins. He won five VMAs for one 
one song for Rocket back in the day. I regret to inform you that Grant Klitsum has never appeared in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Wow. Well, I guess he did play for Columbus, so that checks out. Has he not, or was he there and and you just couldn't find him? All right. (laughs) You calm down. Keep it moving. All right. This one really doesn't have a theme, but I thought it was interesting. Uh, Sean, Ricky Martin VMA wins or Matthew Kachuk playoff goals? Boy, Ricky Martin, I I don't feel like that was a – there was a long window there, but – I was going to say, like, that that was like – his song was like, I feel like 99, 2000. There was a lot of good stuff then, but I, I can nine, say nine, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, it was ninety nine. That was very good, yeah. John. So, yeah. so I was going to say that song probably won all the VMAs that year, but then I remembered ninety nine was the last good year, uh, and like all the great pop culture that came out then. Right. Phantom Menace. Like yeah. I feel like was he beating out Britney Limp Spears? I, yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, I'll go Ricky Martin. Ricky Martin had five VMA wins, all for Livin' La Vida Loca. Matthew Kachuk has three playoff goals. Wow. You are correct, Sean. Oh, good. Ricky Martin. Is that the first one we got right? I think it is, yeah. Nice. It is. All right. Yeah. Know, preseason oh, action is, here. Working our way worked back out, shape. This worked out great because this is one of Ryan's favorite players. Ryan, what's the larger total? Beyonce's VMA wins or Braden Holtby's playoff wins? Uh, I I gotta go with Beyonce, right? Like she has to have a billion of them. This lady does a well, lot of music it, videos. I'll say this about Beyonce. According to this Wikipedia that I'm looking at, yeah, no one has won more VMAs than Beyonce. Well, there you, that so I must be she, wrong then. It includes two with Destiny's Child and two with the Carters. She has 28. But Braden Holtby has 50 playoff wins. Wow. So the answer was Braden yeah, Holtby. Okay, no. fair enough. Okay. Sean? Greg. This is, this is for the win, I think, isn't it? Justin Timberlake VMA wins or Justin Ablocator playoff goals? with larger total. <laughs> Uh man, I feels like Justin Timberlake's probably got a million, so I'll, I'll go with him. Justin Timberlake has eleven VMA wins oh. uh, for uh, videos such as uh, um, "Sexy Back," oh, uh, "Crimea River." Actually, 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 bye, wait. Bye, bye, bye. I should, t- I should, I should tell you that it's actually just ten because I'm not counting the Michael Jackson Video Vanguard Award, which also means that Beyonce only had twenty-seven. Not counting the video of no. Vanguard Award. She changes sucks. everything. I know. He had Cry Me a River, Rock Your Body, What Goes Around Comes Around, Suit and Tie. Uh, Justin Applicator had six playoff goals. So that is correct, Sean. Wow. Justin Timberlake over Justin Applicator. So you win the game. Let's play it out, though. Uh, Ryan, what is the larger total? U2 VMA wins or Jordan 2-2 playoff points? Oh, U2 by a lot, right? U2 has six VMA wins. 
With or without you, when love comes to town, even better than the real thing got two. Hold me, th- thrill me, kiss me, kill me, one. Oh, five, actually, because of the Michael Jackson video Vanguard Award. Jordan Tutu, ten career playoff wow. points. So Tutu over you two. Finally, the tiebreaker, closest to the total. You can go over. How many VMAs has Michael Jackson won? Or did did win, because he's not with us anymore. Yeah, it How feels like he, he has another win in him, at least, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> What's your guess, Ryan? How many VMAs does he have? Not counting the Video Vanguard Award, which is now named after 40. Him. Yeah, I, I mean, you said Beyonce was number one with, like, 27. Oh, so shit, that's Good, con- good context clue there, Does Sean. Does... Dumber, dumber than shit. Do the VMAs go back to, like, the Thriller days? So, I should tell you that the first VMAs on record was 1984. Okay, so, yeah, so 25, I'll say, because he must have won... Well, you know, I bet you back then they probably didn't even have that. It, it was probably like best video and then everyone went home. But yeah, I'm still going to say definitely the number starts with a two. Well, I mean, you could have said 39 and you'd still yeah, be right. That's uh, right. The answer is actually eight, uh, seven. Wow. Really? Because you're right. Back in the day, I don't think they did a bunch of like technical awards. Like Thriller won three. Yeah. And then he won one for Leave Me Alone and he won three for Scream, the one he did with Janet Jackson. So it's just seven. Really? Yeah. So no no black or white? Like that feels like like a kind of wild, right? Been all over. Yeah. That was like a huge Janet has I get more that like VMAs Billie Jean than, and Beat It would have been eighty three, but Mm-hmm. You know who has more VMAs that. than Michael Jackson? Aerosmith. Well, I mean, you look at you look at the That doesn't surprise me. The contributions they made the they same made to video the three years industry. in a row. Yeah. <laughs> They made the same you know exact video three three songs in a row for the same song and and got like number one hits out of all of them. So yeah, kiss I'm not uh, crazy, at that crazy, at crazy all. amazing, crazy amazing crying, crying and crazy, crazy amazing crying. Cry. The the Adam Sandler doing that on Saturday Night Live is one of the like greatest bits of like just ruining an entire pop culture thing in one bit it was fantastic how many did they win for uh the freaking armageddon song one that's it wow that they're, I, they're that big, was everywhere that was like their biggest their, their biggest uh vma winner was crying with three wow which makes sense because that was the alicia silverstone one right yeah, uh, uh maybe we're all alicia silverstone but yeah with that yeah. and and his daughter right like that was yeah Liv tyler yeah. before she had animal crackers on her tummy in Armageddon. Um, all right. Well, very good. Always, always happy to connect Puck Soup with the youth culture. Um, I'm sure everybody that listens to Puck Soup will also be watching the VMAs this weekend. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover in that in that audience. So Huge crossover. By the way, uh, just to let you know, um, MTV... So back in... Uh, Okay, 2011, 12.4 million people watched the VMAs in 2011. That's a lot. In, 2000, in 2020, 1.32 million. Yeah. So I would say that maybe... Christ, Dynamite not, does better than that these days. <laughs> it does. 
<laughs> beat it in the fucking 18 to 32 demo. Well, uh, they, all right. I mean, VMAs don't have the demo god. They don't have the demo god. That's exactly right. All right. Um, and, and by the way, I, I've, I've looked. I don't believe Judas by uh, Fozzie was nominated for any VMAs this year, unfortunately. So That sucks. Yeah, tough one for Chris Jericho. All right. Uh, thanks, everybody, Great for listening to Puck Soup. Head, head over to the, the Patreon for your mailbag episode for the week. We'll also – did you boys say we're doing a call-in show this month? That's a good we idea. We have to do one uh, next week, yeah. Oh, okay. So that's going to well, be on the cor- Puck Soup Discord. Yes, and then we'll, we'll coordinate all that jive and figure out when we're doing it. Um. All right. Uh, very good. Thanks to uh, DraftKings and Manly Bands for making this show possible. Uh, anything to plug, boys? Uh, yeah, check out eprinkside.com. Uh, sign up with the offer code I love EP on an annual subscription, annual only, uh, and you get an extra three months tacked on to the end of that uh, 12 months. So 15 oh, total okay. months. Wow, what a, what a bargain, I would say. Whoa, wow, okay. Uh, Sean? Nah. Okay. All right. I, uh, gonna be in Chicago next week for the NHL Media Days and also for the, uh, the big old, uh, big old, uh, ESPN Talent Con- Conference. Greg Wachinski all is to- all elite. That's right. We get to all, we get to meet, meet each other for the first time and, uh, really looking forward to getting some time with, uh, Mark Messier to talk through my feelings. Um. <laughs> Boy, if that's not a podcast episode. Mark, you know how you've personally betrayed me, right? <laughs> He's like, who are you, Mark, dude? <laughs> Mark, my therapist said that never happened. Do, do you agree? Um. Okay. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. We will talk to you soon. Bye. See ya. Bye. Sticks and hits and goals and saves and slap shots and goons. We've got sport the commentary to what if you commute. But we also cover movies, TV shows, eats and tunes. It's your weekly bowl of hockey and nonsense. Box <sighs> soup.